They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Oh yeah, please don't do that. I need you focus. Oh, oh, oh how embarrassing. We're, we, we've started recording and we're still talking about podcast business. Oh my goodness. Wow. What a, what a zany misadventure we've stumbled into. What a wacky mistake that makes us come off as so relatable and normal. Yeah, oh no. Quirkly so, so clumsy. Anyway, Hi. <laughs> wow <clears throat> wow good good intro elliot do you want to try the uh irish accent episode this week nope although we for anyone who's been following the one episode saga of our attempts to see banshees of insurance the saga closes uh on saturday because it's it's come to a theater near us we're finally going to be able to see it Yep. Very excited about that. Very excited to finally be able to see this. Newest Martin McDonough masterpiece. I'm hoping it's good. Maybe maybe you'll get to hear. Maybe that's a bit of a teaser for what the next episode will be. Who knows? Actually, the next episode is going to be a God of War Ragnarok review. We're going to have to really <laughs> sprint through it. Yeah, it come, comes out comes out Thursday night, so if uh, I play from the moment I can play it until we record, I would not be able to complete even remotely as much as of it as I would want in order to review it. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good one, well, hey, Elliot. For, just for future reference, if Sony or you know Microsoft ever wants to send us a review code... Uh, for video games, we're, we're open. If you want to send us a review code for Starfield, uh, sure, I'm excited <laughs> for that. Uh, or what? 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 What's something? What's a video game you'd like to review, Nathan? Um, I don't know. If Nintendo wants to send us Legend of Zelda two early, that would be pretty sick. Okay, only do that if you're willing to hear my honest opinion about that. <laughs> Well, I'm not exactly over the moon about Starfield, so... Alright, whatever. <laughs> this is all ancillary to the real the real purpose that's brought us here today, and that's movies. It's Magellan's at the movies, not Magellan's on their couch in the basement. Yeah, well... <laughs> for one of us, it, it's kind of Magellan's on the couch in the basement. You're in a I'll chair, but... For me, it's Magellan's uh, on the couch in the living room. Hmm. Good deal. That's where I All watch right, movies, well, I mean. <laughs> okay. All right, well, Elliot, what uh what movie did we watch this week? Now that you want to talk about movies, let's let's talk about the movie we're reviewing. 
We watched Spirited Away. It's a 2001 animated movie, so it came out the year I was born. Uh, that's not a coincidence, I don't think. Um, it's produced by Studio Ghibli, which is a very well-known Japanese animated movie production company. Nathan, you've seen way more Studio Ghibli movies than me. I've seen this a few times. I've seen Tales from Earthsea and Howl's Moving Castle, and that's it. Yeah, so I guess we should forward this. I think some people grew up watching Studio Ghibli movies, and I do. we did definitely rent My Neighbor Totoro from Family Video, because when I watched it most recently, like a year ago or so, I remember watching it as a kid. So we saw one of them, and I think Mom tried to show us Tales of Arcea, and we got scared and then stopped watching it. That movie's scary, man. I've When I finished, when I went back, you know, as an old man to finally finish it, uh, I was like, yeah, dang, this is this is pretty heavy stuff for children. Yeah, so we did not grow up with Studio Ghibli movies, so this, both of us watched Spirited Away when we were older than maybe the intended audience of the film. Uh, just to add to some of the stuff Elliot said, uh, some fun facts, Spirited Away won Best Animated Picture, making it the second movie to win Best Animated Picture, because it was one year after they had done the first one. It is also the longest animated movie to ever win this award, and this movie was requested by Cameron Lehman, who asked for us to do one of his favorite animated movies and gave us a list, and Spirited Away was on the list. So, that's why we're doing Spirited Away. This one goes out to you, Cameron. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Elliot... I'm actually really interested to hear your thoughts because we did not watch this together. I watched it when we had HBO Max sometime, and then you watched it like later. And all I think I've ever really heard is that you enjoyed it, but I never got like a fuller explanation. So I am actually very interested to hear your thoughts on the movie. So break it, break it down. Where where do you sit on this film besides in a chair? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think it's good. All right, expand on that. <laughs> expand on that thought. Uh, well, I think that what struck me most about this movie, uh, the times that I've watched it, and the other Studio Ghibli movie that I watched, that it was Howl's Moving Castle, although that was based on a book. But anyway, was just how creative they were but in ways that didn't really matter, by which I mean there's a lot of really cool small details just in the background animation or in the story that it sort of reminds me of Star Wars world building, at least in the original A New Hope, where they would just, the movie just puts you into a situation that's got a lot of history and a lot of what culture cultural and social structures that you're not aware of but that have been planned out by the filmmaker so it it really does feel like you're being given a glimpse into the 
you know, the term that they use for Star Wars is a lived-in universe. The the universe of Spirited Away and, to a lesser extent, Howl's Moving Castle both feel very lived-in, very well-realized. So I think my favorite part about this movie is definitely the world-building. The animation style is really good, really sharp, stylized without being, what, garish? And, uh, yeah, the, I think that's the only area where it suffers a little bit is in terms of characters and plot. Uh, neither of them are bad. It's just that the... And part of this is a consequence of the protagonist being uh, a child. But Chihiro is... I mean, she's a pretty simple protagonist. She's likable. Uh, her struggle, or her journey, is very compelling. It's just, you know, she's simple. And the plot is kind of simple as well, although that works more to the movie's favor, I think. And it is, it is also a children's movie, so obviously it's not going to load up on complex character dynamics or three different subplots interwoven together. But yeah, that, that, that's my general thoughts of the the main points for why I like this movie. Yeah, I would definitely agree that one of the strengths of the movie is it's very lived in. And I don't know if it's just that they're drawing from a different mythology than maybe we're used to seeing that so many of the creatures and characters in the movie are so creative in just the way they look compared to, I guess, the characters in animation that I typically would see. And where stuff like the Boiler Man with his creepy spider extendo, Mr. Fantastic Arms, and then the baby and the woman whose head is way too big, whatever her weird name was, the witch that it's a delight to watch the film. And I think it also has a lot of scenes where stuff is way brighter than I'm used to, that in most animated films, if something's not going to be moving, it's like you can tell, right? Like if you watch old Looney Tunes cartoons, you can see which things are going to be moving in the scene because they're much brighter than the other things. And in a lot of Studio Ghibli movies, and this one especially, everything is really bright and moving. Like, there's not a lot of times where you're like, okay, this is a fairly dull thing to have to be looking at. And so I think that definitely helps, especially with, as I said before, this is the longest animated movie to ever win Best Animated Feature. It's lengthy for a kid's movie, but both times I've watched it, I was very engaged throughout the entire time. There wasn't ever a point where I was like, this, I don't care to be seeing this. I don't care about what's happening. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that point. And then I'd also agree that I think the story is maybe where this one, I don't want to say suffers because it's not, like, awful, but it's just not as maybe good as some of the other Studio Ghibli movies, at least in my opinion. So, I guess with that, we can get into the story then a bit. So, it's... uh fairly, I don't want to say classic, but it's a a story that you've probably seen a few places before. It's kind of, oh shoot, what's his name? Roald Dahl, isn't that his name? He's got a lot of stories that follow this sort of template where a kid gets 
plunged into a magical world and then kind of has to figure their way through. And so this is like that Chihiro and her parents end up in this bathhouse for spirits. Her parents get turned into pigs, which is unfortunate. And then she gets stuck in the bathhouse and kind of has to contend with some of the residents who come to the bathhouse and the witch lady in charge and such. And there's some hijinks and such. <laughs> but yeah, so Elliot, what let's uh let's break down the story. What do you what do you think of the story? You already said you don't think it's, you know, Citizen Kane, but where does where does it fall between Citizen Kane and Morbius, the living vampire? Okay, well, um that's interesting. I haven't seen Morbius the Living Vampire. And I also uh, don't actually think that Citizen Kane is very Citizen Kane, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah, you go on shaking your head. Terrible opinion. Uh, I think that this is, a, this is the kind of movie that if I had actually watched it as a kid, I would have found really scary. I'm not sure I would have been able to make it through this movie because the first time I saw it, even, you know, as a, as a jaded, cynical 20-year-old... <laughs> The scene, the first, the scene where she gets first transported into the spirit realm and she goes back and finds her parents turned into pigs elicited like a jolt in me where I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of disturbing. Like I was saying earlier with how immersive I find this movie, I think that it does a great job of really putting you in Chihiro's shoes or at least constructing an environment and her reactions to the environment that are very believable and feel very authentic. And so as a kid, yeah, I would have spent the whole time just thinking like, Oh man, what that's so terrible. What would I do in this situation? Like I, 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 I would, I would just be completely lost. I would, I would be so scared as a kid. And I think that speaks to the, effectiveness of its narrative despite its relative simplicity that it is able to engender those kinds of feelings in the audience at least in this audience me the audience yeah i agree where do you think because i think we've talked before that i vividly remember reading the hobbit as a kid and really identifying with bilbo because he was a protagonist that nothing he did felt like something i couldn't have done just because he had so much going for him that like, even when he did things that were maybe a bit more difficult, he was invisible. So I was like, I think maybe I could have done that. And I think Spirited Away is a movie in a similar vein to that, that there's nothing Chihiro does that I'm like, I don't know if a kid could do that. Like I love like Harry Potter and the Percy Jackson series, but there is a part of me that watches or reads either of those things. And I'm like, could a kid really do this? I mean, we're kids are incompetent. Like kids are very not good at basic things. So could they sword fight very competently to defeat like some master swordsman? I don't think so. Could a kid with their own sense of innocence and wonder like bay bathe a rivers a river spirit? Yeah, that checks out to me. That sounds pretty realistic. <laughs> Well, and I think some of that is from the fact that, uh, from my understanding, a lot of Spirited Away is kind of pulling from uh, the director. I'm going to butcher his name, so I apologize to our Japanese audience. <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki, 
that he's drawing from a lot of his experiences as a kid. They, like the bathing of the river spirit was drawing from him as a kid going to the river with his community, with his town, and like cleaning the river, like pulling bikes and trash that had accumulated out of the river. So I feel like a lot of these vignettes, I guess you could say, feel very true to life and resonate because they are pulling from a very true to life experience. And so just like you said, it really helps us to engender ourselves to Chihiro. Whoa, that is not a correct use of that word. Whoa. Okay. Why not? Because that's not what it means. That What, what are you trying to say? Am I trying it is endear us what I'm trying yeah, to do? Yeah. Okay, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I think you're right. I just had it on the brain. <laughs> Look, when you have as expansive a vocabulary as I do, sometimes words get crisscrossed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whatever. But, yeah, I would agree. I think where the movie story kind of suffers in terms of character, I don't think Chihiro, there's any, I think she's a really fantastic protagonist. I think it's usually in, like, the other characters, like the woman who takes her under her arm. I can't remember what her name is. Steve? Um, Isn't that it? Lynn. Lynn. No, it's not Steve. Whoa. Lynn is like such... There's so many people who are just unnecessarily mean to Chihiro when she shows up. And Lynn, especially, is just like a jerk for no reason. And then eventually she's endeared to Chihiro after like a day. But I feel like the side characters are where the movie kind of falls apart for me in terms of story, I guess. Yeah. What's the name of the the, the dragon kid who's like Chihiro's friend and guide? Hachi? Something like that, I think. Ooh, let us consult Wikipedia. Yeah, let's verify it. We'll verify it. Haku. Yeah. This is how you know that we're the best movie reviewing podcast. Because you can hear us in real time researching and verifying information for you, the listener. Yeah, from Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he's sort of... I don't know, there's not a whole lot to say about him. He doesn't really have... Conflict? I mean, he ha he's... He's obviously struggling with his spiritual nature or something but not in the same way that chihiro has a is going on the traditional hero's journey where she has obstacles that she has to overcome usually by way of learning a lesson or developing some kind of personal strength his is more his is like kind of folded into chihiro's arc where she she solves it for him, which is fine. You know, it contributes to her arc and it does so very well. And it is compelling to see her trying to help her friend. I, I, th I agree. I agree with you. I think that it just sort of makes him feel a little bit more ancillary, which, you know, is fair enough. I mean, he is ancillary in the sense that he's a side character, but he probably could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah, especially as we kind of said in our Finding Nemo episode, 
that Pixar does side characters very well, who are both memorable and have kind of a meaningful impact on the plot. And I think Spirited Away is kind of lacking in that department. Like Haku, Lin, even like later editions of inside characters like that giant baby and whatever the fly was before it was a, or the whatever the little bird was before it was a little bird. Uh, <laughs> um, shoot. They're just kind of there to be, I guess, kind of cute and like there, but they do, they're not super memorable as evidenced by my inability to remember things about them, despite having seen the film last night or Tuesday night, sorry. So, yeah, I think the side characters are kind of lacking a bit. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to look for who gets turned into a bird. It's really frustrating me now, because, yeah, it's the baby. The heads get turned into the baby. The baby gets turned into the big mouse. Oh, it's the, like, mini witch thing. The, like, other crow that has the head of the witch. Wow, Wikipedia has failed me. Whatever. Sure. Fine. They don't have a speaking part. They just go, or whatever birds do. I mean, some birds make that sound. <laughs> I don't know what noise a bird-human hybrid makes. So that's my bad. Enough about birds. On the subject of birds, so I guess actually not enough about birds. I'm going to talk about birds. Uh, on the subject of birds, the uh, I really like the antagonist of this, Yubaba. I think that she's the perfect amount of intimidating and menacing without becoming too much. Like, it would probably have been too... She probably would have been too much for me as a kid, but... Yeah, I was a very, I had a very nervous disposition as a child, unlike now. <laughs> but yeah, I think that she's, she's a good foil without being straight up evil. I mean, she's a pretty bad person, but she's not like purely malevolent. And I think that she, you know, again, she's a, an example of how the simplicity of this movie works, that she's just a really, a really good antagonist i mean she does what she does uh narratively to obstruct chihiro's journey and it just it just works man uh plus i think that her design her character design it, it's like dancing right on the edge of being ridiculous but i don't know maybe it's the framing maybe it's the performance it they managed to pull it off without her seeming completely insane design wise yeah, I would definitely agree. And I also like, design-wise, some of the other characters. Like, No Face, I think, is a fairly iconic design that I'd imagine most people will have seen. Or if you see No Face, you're like, oh, I've seen that like on a person's shirt before or something. And I think No Face growing as it's eating all these people and then going back into kind of a shade form is very cool. I like the some of the little details that I really like. I love how when the frog gets spit out from no face, it swims away like a regular frog, which I just think is funny that he swims like a regular frog, which yeah, he would. Cause he is a frog, but it's, I just think it's kind of funny that that's how it is. I also find 
<laughs> the scene where Lynn doesn't want to do the thing and the guy goes, would you do it for a roasted newt? And it's never explained why you would want a roasted newt or why these people find roasted newt. Apparently, it's the most delectable dish humanly possible. Humanly possible? You mean spiritually possible? Well, I don't know. They seem... I mean, the one guy that she, like, teases the with the roasted newt, he seems really amped up to just eat a part of it. So I don't... I have no idea what they see in the roasted newt. But I just find it... It's almost like a, would you do it for a Scooby snack almost moment, where he's like, would you do it for a roasted newt? Of course, a roasted newt. Why would... What wouldn't I do for a roasted newt? <laughs> I just found it funny. I, I didn't take a ton of notes this time, but I wrote down, would you do it? What if I gave you a roasted new? It really stuck in my head. Clearly. <laughs> let's, uh, let's set aside for a moment the superficial elements of the movie. Let's talk about the themes. The themes. Now, according to the interwebs, uh, the reviews that I've read, there is a lot of thematic analysis of this movie way more than I would have expected. I don't know if that's true of all the studio Ghibli movies. I don't know if that's true of the studio Ghibli movies that Miyazaki made. Nathan's doing a weird head thing, but uh, a lot of it revolves around. Let me just pull back up my tabs. This is not on Wikipedia. This is actually uh, other stuff. Wow, what a good history history major citing his sources, other stuff. Shut up. Around traditional Japanese culture and encroaching Western culture, or at least aspects of Western culture, specifically consumerism, This is, which is embodied by Yubaba, who wears Western-style clothes, and her living quarters are a lot more ornate, and European are decorated in European aesthetics as compared to the minimalistic Japanese aesthetics in the rest of the bathhouse. So in a different movie, I might think that that's reading a bit too much into it. In this case, I think that that's, I think that there's definitely something there, especially since that is a very real like point of cultural anxiety for Japan and I so I'm going to draw upon my my history knowledge here that ever since the end of World War II when the US occupied and then even after the occupation spent a lot of time essentially americanizing Japan or at least americanizing aspects of Japan there is all since then there has been a tension between traditional Japanese culture and Western culture. Uh, the country is has been westernizing and is continuing to westernize, especially among the younger generation. And it's a point of real anxiety for the older generation who, I don't know, who aren't, who disapprove. Maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe that's too, that's too, value loaded of a statement more like they just want to preserve their own Japanese traditions and so the encroaching of 
Western consumerism from the point of from this point of view, especially from the point of view of Miyazaki, who is a fairly who's an elderly gentleman, <laughs> uh, even when he made this movie. Yeah, I think that there's definitely something there. And I think it's really interesting, both from a thematic point of view and also just from the point of view of getting a, a look into a different culture. I just think it's really interesting the kinds of things that different cultures concern themselves with, uh, the things that they're afraid of, the things that they want to maybe delay and the things that they want to preserve. But I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that or just the movie's themes in general? Yeah, I think this movie sits in an interesting place thematically, and I became even more convinced of this as you were talking, because I feel like it's almost in between, and you could see it either as a perfect melding of the two themes that a lot of Miyazaki's Studio Ghibli movies tackle, or you could see it as maybe only halfway achieving either of those themes, which I think is kind of where I land, where it's halfway doing like a My Neighbor Tortoro sort of thing, where it's just about a slice of life kind of thing. And it's much more built around small moments of like family that just happen to be taking place in a somewhat fantastical sort of area. And Princess Mononoke, which I think is very obviously about environmentalism and capitalism and Western culture kind of slowly destroying things that other people see as sacred and meaningful. So I think for this movie, I feel like the themes become kind of muddled because he tries to bring both of those together, that it never is really fully about just a slice of life of Chihiro trying to make her way through a very difficult period in her life, right? They're moving at the beginning of the film. They establish that she's obviously afraid and upset by this new change. And then also having all of those elements that you talked about, like Yubaba is representing Western culture and Western culture encroaching on. And I think even, I mean, when they find the amusement park, her dad says like, oh, they made a whole bunch of these in the sixties or something like in some period of like, you know, it was clearly a period of excess since this amusement park. And he says, this is a regular sort of occurrence that you can find closed down amusement parks that people tried to start amusement parks and they made too many of them. And so they didn't go anywhere. And so I think it has some of those same elements as princess Mononoke and Nawazika of the wind or however you pronounce her name. But I think for me, the better interpretation or the way I enjoy the movie more is in just a very simple story of, I think you mentioned it and I had it in my notes too, that Chihiro really just goes on a bit of a hero's journey. She's put in a new environment. She returns at the end of the movie to the environment she started in, but she's learned something. She's a better person. She's more courageous. She's more sure of herself. And so I think that's how I enjoy the movie more because I think thematically it can get kind of muddled because there's too many things going on. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I'm not sure I agree that it's a problem or it's not a problem for me personally. Um, I don't think that it necessarily enhances the movie, but I do think that it's nice that it's there sort of if you want to look deeper into that and the, 
you know, I might just be biased because that's the kind of cultural exchange that I that I enjoy. Just a few other things about the whole consumerism thing is that so like you said there's the amusement park apparently the well not apparently the parents are wearing western clothes uh, at the beginning of the movie and then the most obvious one that i didn't even realize until i just read it is that the parents turn into pigs yeah capitalist so pigs yeah that's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty on the nose <laughs> but uh yeah so i pff, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I think that it's woven into the story pretty well. It's not it's not like uh say well I should have thought of something before I started talking. That's okay. We can cut it so it'll look like you just came up with it on the cuff off the wow, cuff. Wow, that's that'll be that'll be perfect. I mean, it's, it's, I'll just abandon trying to find uh, a better example <laughs> and say that I think that it's, I appreciate, I always appreciate it when themes are woven into a movie's or a story's story, like narrative, um, which I think works well here with the parents being turned into pigs uh, and Yubaba being, you know, a sort of stand in for greedy consumerism so yeah i i guess it didn't really detract is what i'm rambling about it didn't really detract from the movie for me well it's not just i mean everyone's kind of, everyone in the bathhouse is incredibly greedy i mean as soon as no face starts throwing out gold everyone loses their mind and just completely ignores the fact that it looks like a disgusting blob creature that you know for all they know what do they know? This could be this could be anything. This could be some death monster, and it starts throwing them around money, and everyone loses their mind. Yeah, it's also like literally infecting or infiltrating this very traditional Japanese space. The I believe it's called a sento is the Japanese word for a bathhouse, or at least this kind of bathhouse, which is a communal bathhouse. Um, I I took a class about japanese culture over the summer so <laughs> this is this is me using that so yeah you have this this ravenous monster coming into the space of traditional japanese culture and just sort of throwing around money and everyone immediately forgets everything else about it uh which makes sense because miyazaki said in interviews or at least is quoted as saying in interviews in these articles uh, I don't think that they made it up or anything, but that it is that it is about people becoming pigs. Uh, that's probably a pretty rough translation, but it's also about a nostalgia for people like him uh, to see the traditional Japanese spirits in the Japanese bathhouse, and then establishing the tension by or the thematic tension by bringing in the monster of consumerism uh, and money in general, I guess, and having it sort of degrade this space. So yeah, I think, I think it works pretty well. I'm actually in contrast to last week's episode, I'm actually talking myself into liking it more. <laughs> well, that's good. I like that. 
Oh, I like that more, I guess. I wouldn't say I'm really all that swayed. I think that is somewhat interesting. I don't think I find it as interesting as you, though. I would say also, I know we talked at the beginning about some of the technical elements that we very much enjoyed, but I really, I really enjoyed the music in this. I thought it was a really great, and there was more than a few points where I felt like the music reached a very nice, epic sort of feeling, like the first time... Haku comes and he's like, oh, you got to get out of here. And she's running and all the spirits are starting to appear. It's a very epic sort of feeling that I really, I thought it was really cool. But would you want to listen to it casually? I don't listen to any movie soundtrack casually except for The Social Network and Gone Girl. So, no, I guess not. Why? I just, they're both like ambient sort of things that it's really easy to put on. Plus, if I listen to the theme, Hand Covers Bruise from Social Network, I feel like I'm Mark Zuckerberg walking across campus. (laughs) Wow, okay. You know, I'm going to class, but suddenly it feels like I'm on my way to invent Facebook. (laughs) It's probably for the best that you're not. All right, thanks. But no, so I don't know. I'd probably, if I listen to more movie soundtracks, I'd probably listen to this one. Yeah. I mean, I listen to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Uh, I listen to Hans Zimmer music. So I guess I don't listen to a ton of movie soundtracks. But uh, yeah, I don't, I can't say that I really noticed it. And you talking about it doesn't elicit this, uh, a response of like, oh yeah, now that you mention it, it was really good. I'm sure it was. I remember it being energetic, but uh, yeah, I. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> all right. Uh, you have any other thoughts? I'm pretty much I'm through all my notes. Do you have any other closing thoughts? Uh, no, just that there's a lot. There's I, like I already said, there's a lot of imagination in this movie that I really like. Uh, just yeah, so much creativity. Like, and the it's the little things that I always appreciate the most. Like the fact that the spirits show up on this big cruise liner. Uh, I mean, it's innocuous and it's only there for a few seconds, but I don't know. It's just really cool to me. It's just a really cool image. And the train that goes across this giant lake that's like also two inches deep. I mean, a it's gorgeous, and b it's just a really cool idea. It, it looks cool. It's just it's just cool, man. Uh, so yeah, that I I really like the way this movie looks, and I really like the attention and the care that's gone into even the smaller aspects of it. I definitely I agree, and I think Studio Ghibli movies are really fantastic. In I mean, they almost make me feel nostalgic and like like a kid again watching them. Like, they very much are rooted in childlike sort of sensibilities, like some of the stories that I was talking about earlier, like Harry Potter or Percy Jackson. So much so that even watching them for the first time as an adult in college, an adult, I'm quoting there, I'm doing air quotes. Uh, I watched Spirited Away, and I was, there's a part of me that's just like childlike wonder, like, whoa, lights, whoa, <laughs> all of the, the goofy animals, wow. Bright colors. 
<laughs> yeah, which is how I am in, in regular movies. Like, I watch movies that are rated R, and I'm still like, whoa, bright colors, wow! I know, I know. <laughs> I know, it's annoying when I do it in the theater, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, the amount of movies that we've gotten kicked out of just because <laughs> Nathan couldn't stop saying, oh, 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 oh wow! Oh, oh, wait, wait, who's that? Wait, wait, so he's his actual father? Oh, whoa! You make fun, but I think that was my genuine reaction to finding out that Darth Vader was Luke's father. I've been told I had a very visceral reaction to it. I don't remember reacting to it at all. I don't really, I remember going to bed upset about it, but... Whatever, that's besides the point. Let's get into ratings. Elliot, what's your rating for this film? Well, I'm not going to waste time restating what I've already said because that's boring and stupid and I do it too much. So I'm just going to say this is a good movie. It looks great. Uh, Performances is something that we didn't talk about very much, but I think that everyone in this movie does a great job, especially uh, the person who plays Chihiro. And yeah, the music is allegedly good, but I don't remember. So... I will give it a B plus. Mm. All right. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I guess we're not restating opinions so much. But, yeah, for all of the reasons I've kind of said, I think thematically it kind of falls short. So at the end of the day, I just enjoy it as a really fun, energetic, imaginative movie that keeps my attention for a full two hours, which isn't something I can say for every film. So I'd say it's a 7.8, 7.8, 7.7. For me. Good stuff. <laughs> yep. So now, uh, recommendations. I told Elliot before we started recording, because neither of us had nailed down our recommendations <laughs> at that point. I feel like Studio Ghibli movies are kind of hard to recommend for, because they all have a certain vibe that I don't think a lot of other movies have. And they're not pulling from a lot of resources in terms of themes and ideas in the same way some other movies are. But I'll go first for recommendation. My recommendation is going to be a bit of a throwback. It's a bit of a classic, but I don't know if everybody my age has maybe seen it. But I was going to recommend The Wizard of Oz, which is also a movie about a girl who's thrust into a fairly fantastical sort of situation. And then in working through that situation, she comes to realize facts about herself and comes to a better understanding of herself and what she wants to kind of do. And yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's a classic. And I think it's a classic that deserves its reputation. It's a great children's movie. I watched it for the first time as an adult and I really enjoyed it. The songs are surprisingly not terrible for a musical from that era because most of the music is terrible in that era (laughs) in films, at least. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. And I think if you enjoyed Spirited Away, you'd enjoy uh, this. Do you listen to the Wizard of Oz soundtrack casually? I do not. <laughs> Thank you for asking. You're welcome. What, what, was your, what was your recommendation, though, Elliot? Oh, my recommendation that I definitely came up with by myself and was not prompted by my brother <clears throat> is not a movie in the traditional sense. Uh, it's actually not a movie in any sense. I don't know why I said that. Uh, but <laughs> it's a it's a 10-part, isn't it 10-part, miniseries. Six or eight. 
whatever. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's ten part, but it's a it's a mini series called Over the Garden Wall, which you may remember from Cartoon Network. Uh, I think that you could, and Nathan agrees with this, that you could watch all of these together, uh, and it would work pretty. It would work very well as a single viewing experience. So this is a story about a pair of brothers who through methods that I won't spoil, get lost in a very fantastical world, very much like uh, the world of Spirited Away. Not like the world of Spirited Away. They, oh my gosh. Like Hero <laughs> gets lost in a, in a fantastical world, the brothers get lost in a fantastical world. This one, I think, is much more macabre it's definitely more European-focused. Uh, not so macabre that it's inappropriate for children, but it definitely is a more mature kind of children's story. Uh, really funny, really creative, just like Spirited Away. Uh, a lot of the episodes revolve around them dealing with characters, sometimes like monsters or dangerous creatures that are all really well designed. Uh, it's got a very minimalistic sort of animation style, but one that really works. Elijah Wood plays the older brother. I think he does a fantastic job. And the last two parts, I think, are legitimately some of the best television I've ever seen. I love the last two episodes, the finale, basically. Um, it's really compelling, it's got a really compelling mystery, and yeah, it's just, just like Spirited Away, the world is so well-realized, and so mysterious without being frustrating or obscure, like, you want to learn more about the world and how it works and the people who live there, so yeah, I love Over the Garden Wall, I think it's fantastic, and I think that it is a really good companion piece to Spirited Away. So I'm really proud of myself for coming up with it. It's just a really clever, really clever double feature. Yeah, I would second everything Elliot said. I love Over the Garden Wall. And I think every time I've watched it, I've watched it in one sitting, just watching all of the episodes in a row. And everyone I've shown it to has enjoyed it quite a bit. So, Also, uh, Every episode has a song in it, sort of like Phineas and Ferb, uh, and the songs are very good. Sometimes I listen to them casually. Nathan, do you? Do I you listen I, to I also listen to them casually. Yes. Wow! <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I listen, especially that like first "Into the Unknown" or whatever it's called. I can't remember what. The oh first, yeah. But like opening track, I listen to that quite a bit. I really like that track quite a bit. Well. It's looking to be that time again, folks. Yeah, you. this is, I think this is the third or fourth time you've said that same thing. Okay, well, there's only so many ways I can, there's only so many ways I can announce the end of an episode. I do want to say before we go that life is hard and full of disappointments. But also, you know, just don't become a pig. If you're thinking about it, uh, just don't do it because you never know what's going to happen. I think Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil, he didn't want to become a, a pig by getting the vaccine or something. Or maybe he was an alligator. I don't know. You shouldn't be an alligator either, but... It was an alligator. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So don't become an alligator. Don't become a pig. 
uh, yeah, th- those are my closing thoughts. Nathan, do you have any? Yeah, I would agree. Don't think on either of those two things. Uh, really looking forward to this upcoming week. We might be doing Banshees of Inshirin. If it's good, if it sucks, we won't do it. But, yeah, this episode was a lot of fun. Elliot, I'm glad that you made it all the way through your this episode without becoming disillusioned with the film. I, let's try and keep that up for the next couple. That only happened once. I know, but I don't want it to be a pattern. Okay. So yeah, the five of all five of you who are also going to see Banshees of Inshirin, get excited for our uh, forthcoming thoughts, which may or may not happen. We may choose to do something else. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see.